You're listening to Let's Talk AI. Okay, good day. Welcome to Let's Talk AI. Today's guest is William Mellick. William is a professor in the Department of Mechanical and Mechatronics Engineering at the University of Waterloo. He also serves as the Director of the Laboratory of Computational Intelligence and Automation and the Director of the RoboHub. So, welcome, William. Welcome, Harold. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So, William, before we launch into uh, your background and, and how you're using AI and the RoboHub, etc., University of Waterloo has a unique uh, breakout between mechanical engineering and mechatronics engineering. Could you explain what is the difference in, on the mechatronics side? Yeah, that's actually a very good question, Harold, and I'm, I'm happy you asked that because uh, we have one of the most established uh, mechatronics programs in Canada and uh, uh, probably the oldest too. It's been in existence for about 20 years now. Uh, so in a nutshell, actually, mechatronics is a, a newer branch of engineering by comparison to the traditional engineering uh, disciplines uh, where actually graduates combine knowledge of mechanical, electrical, information technology, and precision machining in order to be able to build advanced electromechanics systems. So uh, 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 key application areas involve building robots, uh, building uh, surgical devices, uh, building wearables, uh, technology for uh, uh, smart devices, as well as uh, uh, many of the technologies associated with deployment of uh, autonomous systems and electric vehicles. Excellent. Excellent. So you're, you're the director of the Computational Intelligence and Automation Lab and the director of RoboHub. Give us a high level on the, uh, the computational intelligence and automation, and then we'll do a deeper dive into RoboHub. Uh, so the Computational Intelligence and Automation Lab focuses on, on conducting research on uh, advanced uh, flexible type of robots, uh, which are typically uh, uh, robots that you will begin to see more and more as part of advanced manufacturing and industry 4.0, but they tend to be more agile, uh, more intelligent uh, uh, and collaborative. Uh, so they do require uh, uh, more advanced design of motion planning, uh, situation awareness, uh, precision control, uh, and all of the above actually requires uh, uh, implementation of one form of machine learning or artificial intelligence in order to be able to enable the system functionality. So I mean, there are, there are kind of, they go hand in hand, the research that we do with the Laboratory of Computation Intelligence and Automation, advanced robotics and controls on one hand, artificial intelligence on the other hand. And then we use these tools to, to build uh, systems and robots that can work in a human-centric environment for the purpose of deployment uh, in, in new paradigms related to Industry 4.0 and ad advanced manufacturing. Okay, so before we launch into RoboHub, let's back up a little bit and learn more about this guy named William. How did this all start for you, undergrad, master's, uh, you know, PhD? Where did you do your studies? Oh, geez. Okay. Uh, so let's let me kind of again uh, go back. Uh, uh, bachelor's uh, was, of course, overseas in Egypt, and I earned a bachelor's degree in uh, electrical engineering uh, in, in the mid-90s. 
And then uh, shortly after, I worked actually with Siemens after that for a couple of years, but uh, uh, I, I still kind of wanted to learn more about robotics and, and uh, perhaps be able to kind of uh, uh, test my hands in research. So I applied for uh, uh, several schools in Canada, the United States, and I received admission to come to uh, University of Toronto. Uh, that dates back to 1996 with the Department of Mechanical and Industrial Engineering. And that's uh, where I did my master's degree there earned the Masters of Applied Science uh, in Robotics. And then uh, I decided to continue after that, maybe fast track to hopefully get the PhD uh, uh, quickly so that I can kind of pursue a career in research and academia. So I continued in the same school, but in a different department and did my doctorate degree, uh, which uh, uh, did actually involve research in robotics, but was my first introduction also to advanced AI because I had to apply this to my thesis projects. I earned a PhD degree from the University of Toronto in 2002 and then worked as, as a, a research director for Alpha laboratories in Toronto for two years before joining the University of Waterloo in 2004. So I've been with U of T, well, UW probably about 18 years now. Okay, that's great. So so I know, you know, anybody who visits campus here in, in E7 and sees the RoboHub and it looks like this big glass enclosure and all these robots. Can you tell us a little bit about how did this start? What was the journey to bring RoboHub to creation? And, uh, you know, a bit of the framework there, and then we'll, we'll dive more into what's going on inside the, the glass. Uh, so being actually the largest uh, engineering school in Canada in terms of undergraduate student population and uh, 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 the size of the faculty in terms of, of researchers, uh, uh, back in 2016, uh, I realized that there are about maybe 40 of us. Uh, across different faculties uh, conducting research on robotics or, or closely related areas. And uh, we wanted to kind of consolidate uh, the robotics research because many of us were collaborating, but we didn't have a framework or, or kind of an umbrella that kind of enabled us to do this in a more seamless and, and uh, manner and be able to kind of have this continuity in terms of uh, tapping in on the expertise of different researchers on campus. So uh, we came up with the idea of, of having this uh, new facility, which uh, will uh, house robots, all different types of robotic systems, and uh, uh, will be actually uh, the catalyst for many of our uh, colleagues and industry uh, to engage with, with uh, the Faculty of Engineering at the University of Waterloo, uh, promote collaboration with industry, promote collaboration among faculty members, but also create this advanced facility uh, for training of our undergraduate and graduate students on uh, uh, the basically most advanced and up-to-date uh, technology in robotics. And we formulated a a project that uh, dates back to 2017 and at the time I had uh, they, there were six of us I was leading the endeavor and I had uh, uh, five of our colleagues from from three different engineering departments with me and we made the submission to the Canada Foundation of Innovation uh, uh, with matching from the Ontario Research Fund and fortunately for us the the, the proposal was successful so we were awarded uh, at the time uh, about four and a half million dollars in funding to start the RoboHub and uh, uh, for the, the period of about a year since we received the funding, uh, we were working in parallel with the architects and the engineers who were in charge of uh, uh, the new building, which was E7, because we had, the, the again, like the crown jewel space on the ground floor. So we had to coordinate with them, and the lab officially opened in, in October of 2018. So we've been in existence now for about four years, but uh, uh, actually the period of productivity was slightly less than four years because of, of some of the setbacks we had during the pandemic, which did require for us to lock down the lab for an extended period of time. Okay. So 
you know, myself coming from industry, robots were always, shall we say, in cages, zipping in and out of injection molding machines, uh, processing equipment online. The RoboHub flavor seems to be somewhat different. I don't see any cages, uh, more collaborative around humans. Could you elaborate further of, you know, what's, what's the theme, the high level? Like, what's the, what's the goal of RoboHub? Uh, actually, a very good question, Harold. I think uh, the, the general kind of premise or, or uh, theme of the RoboHub here is to create this fleet of heterogeneous intelligent robots that can be deployed in, in a human-centric environment, work uh, close to humans without the need for caging or fencing. But that, of course, would require for the robot uh, not only to be a pick-and-place tool, uh, or a packaging tool that uh, basically does not have any capabilities of situation awareness, but instead now migrate to uh, intelligent robots or what we call them uh, uh, in industry and the scientific community, cobots. Cobots is short for collaborative robots. And of course, you look at these systems, you begin to realize that they have uh, a very rich sensing, they have uh, uh, advanced processing, higher level uh, control uh, to enable interaction with human to enable understanding human gesture, understanding human commands, whether it's in, in gesture or speech, uh, but also uh, advanced uh, uh, vision and image processing to be able to uh, locate itself within its environment, understand what, what are the objects of interest in the environment, and then interact accordingly to be able to do the tasks safely and efficiently. Uh, and I, again, I want to re-stress the, the point, human-centric environment. So we want to bring the robot and the human close to each other. They work in close proximity and in an ideal case scenario are able to collaborate seamlessly. And of course, uh, th that, that kind of uh, philosophy for, for uh, uh, design, uh, control and deployment of robots uh, uh, would, would basically necessitate the removal of the fencing. Uh, that, that you would typically see in old industrial robots, the fencing that separates uh, man from machine. So that, that actually is something that uh, most of the research activities and industry projects we have in the RoboHub is moving uh, uh, away from, uh, from this paradigm and making sure that we can bring human and machine uh, as close as possible to each other in a safe and, and, and effective manner. Okay, you, you set the stage earlier and you said in 2016, we had about 40, you know, separated researchers in robotics. So here we are now in 2022 of October. How many researchers are we having doing, you know, primary researchers, PIs doing robotics, and then how many grads under them, just roughly off the top of your head? Uh, I think at this point in time, again, off the top of my head, I guess, Harold, we're kind of in the neighborhood of 60. And then, of course, the, the, the level of activities when it comes to robotics research varies, depending uh, on whether the primary area of research is AI and the secondary area is robotics, or the primary area is robotics, or maybe they are working primarily in, in uh, fields that are complementary to robotics. So, for instance, path planning, uh, controls, uh, optimization, and uh, people who work in, in, in uh, uh, fundamental AI as opposed to operational AI. So off the top of my head, I think we are 60. And uh, in terms of number of graduate students, by the last count I had, which is about eight months ago, I would say roughly about uh, 250 graduate students from uh, three different faculties. Wow, that's great. So you, 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 you mentioned the magic word AI. And, and previously, you talked about vision and voice-activated robots. From a high level, just give us some structure here. How 
how are you using AI in the lab and, and, and where, where is that going? Uh, yeah, that's actually a very good question, Harold. So again, it's a multifaceted actually uh, approach uh, uh, when we rely on AI to be able to power or, or enable uh, a lot of the research activities we have in the RoboHub. Uh, one aspect of it focuses on uh, using machine learning and uh, in particular, the new advancements in uh, uh, convolution neural networks and, and uh, deep networks uh, for, for uh, basically more uh, accurate uh, image processing and object classification in the three-dimensional space. And we use this type of AI to create the situation awareness for the robot. So we are able to equip our, our, all of our setups with machine vision. And then obviously through the images that are captured, this goes into an AI engine, which begins to classify the environment for the robot, identify where objects of interest are, identify where obstacles are, and inform the path planning and, and the next stages in the pipeline, which is how we're going to control the robot to complete the task that it needs to in, in a safe and an efficient manner. So um, um, uh, machine vision is part of it. But now after we've kind of uh, located the robot within the environment, the next step is to uh, create the path for the robot. And it's a collision-free path. It's a safe path that also uh, is uh, uh, within the confines of what the human or humans would like the robot to do. And, and that would involve a lot of non-conventional optimization. So we use uh, several optimization techniques uh, uh, that basically rely on concepts like genetic algorithms or simulated annealing and, and uh, kind of the uh, optimizations that kind of fall under the realm of, of this type of uh, AI, mathematical AI uh, models. Uh, now, once we've identified the optimal path, the next step is to begin to have the robot execute the motions in a manner that is controlled. And that control also where we bring in Again, artificial intelligence in intelligent control, whether it's a, a, a neural network control or a neurofuzzy control or any other type of uh, advanced control that will allow us to create this level of uh, precision, but also compliance, because uh, some of these machines, we don't want them to exert excessive force in the workspace. Uh, damage a package they are handling or or maybe cause potential injury to a human. So the compliance and, and uh, this type of force store control does also entail artificial intelligence. Uh, so again, uh, th that's an example of three specific areas where we rely heavily on AI uh, to uh, add this functionality into our system, this advanced functionality to enable the man and machine to, to work in close proximity to each other. Of course, there are other examples, but uh, I think those three are the, the key ones that come to mind at, at this point in time. So for your average person, if they think about robots, sadly, we, we jump over to, you know, memories from Terminator movies and things like this. But the definition of a robot is so much broader now. I mean, with drones and all these other aspects, what kind of robots do you have in RoboHub? Uh, actually, you would be surprised, Harold. We pretty much have all different platforms. Uh, I would actually venture to say that it's uh, a one-of-a-kind research facility in terms of the, the variety of uh, robotic platforms we have. So we have uh, different platforms ranging from very advanced humanoid platforms that are very high degree of freedom, uh, similar to the setup that Boston Dynamics has or, or the Valkyrie system that NASA uses, uh, but also having a small type of, of uh, humanoids that are used primarily for uh, uh, early childhood education or maybe companionship. Uh, so like a pet, uh, and they can converse in 22 different languages and they have some simple AI for uh, speech recognition. 
just very simple phrases. But we also have a, a large fleet of uh, industrial arms, robotic arms, which are basically the next generation of the fenced robots that you would typically see in industry. But they are designed with, with uh, the collaborative nature in mind. So they tend to be uh, smaller, more agile, high number of degrees of freedom. And uh, they don't have the sort of uh, uh, speed or the strength of the industrial robot, but they are designed with the human in mind. They can collaborate with human and, and they have different stacks on the software where you can control intelligence. We also have a, a big variety of drones uh, for indoors and outdoors research, primarily used for mapping and, and very popular among our industry partners, whether they are in agriculture, uh, uh, city planning, uh, inspection uh, of maybe crops or, or uh, roofs of buildings and all the way to advanced situation awareness scenario with our military subcontractors, uh, General Dynamics, Lockheed Martin, uh, Leonardo. Uh, we also have uh, mobile platforms and the mobile platforms enables us to uh, uh, conduct research which kind of uh, feeds into some of our autonomous vehicles research. But of course, uh, differences are a vehicle platform is different from a mobile robotic platform. So those are typically used to conduct research uh, related to uh, moving uh, of, of objects, maybe in mining, but uh, in supply chain and warehousing and even with some of our industry partners like Avidbots, indoor cleaning robots. And we also have uh, uh, magnetic levitation robotic systems and those typically are used to uh, transport material within an indoor space at a very high speed and completely frictionless, so very energy efficient. And they rely on the same concept of the maglev trains uh, that uh, travel between Tokyo and Osaka, cut the 500 kilometer distance in 90 minutes. So it's the same concept. Uh, you kind of float capsules in mid-air, they, they, they travel on tracks uh, under very kind of narrow air gap and very precise control at very high speed. So imagine a fulfillment center for Amazon, you can get a package from one end of the warehouse to the other end in 30 seconds cut that distance. So I mean again, uh, and, and uh, the, the beauty that we have here is that uh, we also in, in the RoboHub also work on uh, uh, robot operating system and other kind of uh, operating system platforms that allow all of these robots to communicate with each other form a team to conduct very complex tasks, even they are, if they are on different platforms or coming from different vendors. So that's in a nutshell, actually, uh, the, the, the key capabilities that we have in the RoboHub and the different variety of, of robotic systems we have there. Well, you know, you, you and your team are with a huge uh, serving of patients. Uh, I swear you must do 10, 15, 20 tours a week of <laughs> groups coming through. And uh, thanks for being so open and uh, willing because, you know, everyone's fascinated by this space. Um, I'm going to throw something at you about a future look. You talked about collision-free path. Well, that's looking forward to reality, that's not reality. Everything is, you know, going to be collision in, in the future. What do you see? Uh, is this the once we figure out collision free, then we start to adapt for, you know, not so perfect paths? Or what's the future for that? Uh, yeah, I think that's an excellent question, Harold. So collision-free, obviously, now uh, is 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 uh, uh, a very important area of research for us, and it it goes hand in hand with with the ability to localize accurately, know exactly where the machine is relative to the environment and relative to the humans, because if we are able to precisely pinpoint on where the machine is relative to all the other objects of interest without any kind of error in estimating what this location is, the ability to to schedule the path for the robot and reduce the likelihood of collision becomes higher. So there is a lot of research that goes into uh, proper localization, but there is also a lot of research that goes hand in hand 
in, in remote sensing because obviously to be able to localize with high degree of accuracy you have to have reliable sensing you have to have reliable sensor fusion so uh, uh, there is a lot of research that is happening in this area now uh, uh, to kind of enable this localization to be more efficient uh, reduce the likelihood of collision but having said that, you raise a good point. Are we able to eliminate it 100% now or five years down the road? Maybe not, especially when you have higher uncertainty in a cluttered environment like a factory floor or a warehouse or even with autonomous vehicles in, in an urban setting like in uh, the heart of downtown Toronto when, you have, when you're dealing with a corner case having to make a right turn uh, uh, during rush hour and there are pedestrians, there are cyclists, uh, there is traffic all over. So uh, in robotics, uh, we try to tackle the problem also uh, through a double-edged sword. Another thing is precision control. So even if we accept that collision may likely happen in, in some uh, uh, situations, the idea is to uh, ensure that there is a level of uh, control and compliance, that if, if the robot for some reason have to touch a human or have to come close to a human, uh, the, the, the basically that interaction in itself is safe because the amount of force that is exerted through this interaction or contact is minimal, does not constitute injury. Uh, also, uh, the use of artificial intelligence will allow us to create regression models and what we call reinforcement learning techniques that basically will allow the machine to learn from past experience. If, if there is a collision that, that could have been avoided, but we couldn't avoid it, we employ uh, reinforcement learning to penalize the machine for taking that action which resulted in a collision in this particular situation so that the next time around, uh, the robot is faced with a similar situation it would remember ideally that the action that it took last time resulted in a penalty let's try something more sensible this time around hopefully reduce the risk of collision well you know i'm going to throw another a bit of a change at you we were just at an aeronautics concert uh, um, conference yesterday or the day before with wisa and uh, several different contractors, uh, partners, industrial partners knocked on the door of Waterloo AI and said, can you help us with air traffic control? And it sounds like a similar challenge that we would do with, you know, maybe uh, drones with Swarm and, 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 you know, these multi-drones working together in space. So instead of just 2G on a factory floor, it's now three-dimensional X, Y, and Z. You want to give a comment on applicability of your research to aeronautics? Uh, so for us, actually, uh, the, the, the research that we do, which can be applicable to aeronautics, basically will focus primarily in, in, in what we can offer by way of uh, area robotics. And actually, uh, the RoboHub, uh, at this point in time, we don't have any uh, projects, ongoing project, looking at uh, fixed wings drones. So most of the research that we do is for quad rotors or hex rotors. And, and those typically uh, uh, can be worked. Uh, used for uh, uh, traffic monitoring, uh, but uh, we've done a project in the past when we are doing uh, uh, scheduled delivery of parcels by, by using a drone to deliver parcels or a drone that can help uh, reroute uh, uh, basically uh, uh, parcels and how they can be delivered as fast as possible uh, given a certain kind of uh, 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 traffic situation. So uh, typically that's where we can contribute, not necessarily to the full extent of being able to create an air traffic control system, but rely on quad rotors and, and hex uh, robots. And mind you, uh, they typically have to be scheduled because uh, most of these platforms, depending on what you have in the gimbal by way of payload, uh, the battery uh, life uh, for a flight would typically range from 20 to 40 minutes. So if you want to have continuous coverage, you also have to do some sort of scheduling. One drone would 
have to go offline for charging. Another one will take over, and you want to do this without interruption. Uh, so I think uh, we've developed some techniques for, for environmental monitoring, but also for uh, uh, identifying the fastest route given given obstacle or a traffic situation in one particular application, which is parcel delivery. Awesome. Awesome. Well, William, you've covered so many different areas. Um, we're going to wrap up now, and I'm going to turn to you and ask for any final comments or thoughts of you know, what you see ahead for robotics, RoboHub, um, your choice. Thank you, Harold. I guess, uh, again, it was a very interesting discussion, and thank you for all the questions. But uh, the one thing that I want to kind of close with is uh, uh, the importance of, of, of uh, the continued uh, collaboration between robotics and, and uh, uh, the AI Institute at UW, because uh, I'm beginning to realize now uh, from what I'm seeing uh, in my role in the RoboHub, uh, but also uh, in terms of the research that our graduate students are conducting uh, within the Faculty of Engineering, whether that's related to material for or related to clean energy or related to autonomous vehicles, uh, the importance of AI, which I'm, I'm, I see that uh, in, in five years' time, uh, our graduates will have to have a certain degree of competence with AI, the same way they, the same way they have uh, knowledge uh, navigating social media and the internet. It will become as important for our graduates. Uh, otherwise, I think it, uh, in terms of uh, uh, being uh, uh, more employable and what the industry needs are, uh, without the knowledge in AI in five years' time, I think that will definitely, definitely hurt their chances in being able to secure cutting-edge jobs. But for us in the RoboHub, uh, the reliance on artificial artificial intelligence to enable us to pursue our current and future research endeavors is extremely important. And, and that's the reason why that uh, uh, in the RoboHub, we're always encouraging all of our colleagues to reach out uh, to, to uh, the Waterloo AI Institute, but also colleagues in math and computer science and other branches of engineering forge these collaborations because of the importance uh, that we see, the, importance, the important role that AI will play to continue to help us advance robotics and get them to that level where they can be beneficial in a wide spectrum of, of industrial applications. Well, that's awesome. Thanks for the pitch on Waterloo AI. That, um, that's good. Well, thank you very much today. Again, I appreciate you joining us for the podcast of Let's Talk AI and uh, have a great day. You too. Thank you very much, Harold. Thank you for having me. Okay. Have a wonderful day.